Please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We are going to continue where we left off. This is going to be bringing one of the sections to an end. So I really want to look at the section we've been looking at uh, by going back just a little bit. It all began in verse 9. So if you just allow me to go back to verse 9. Remember the Apostle John began all of this by saying, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent uh, His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, In this is love. And we looked at that. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And can I just say, He loved us first. Okay? And sent His Son to, uh, to be the propitiation or the payment for our sins. Praise God. So the Apostle John is bringing something out here that he is saying, listen, all of this began with God showing us his love toward us. And I said that that was so important because we need to understand that God loves us. And, you know, we, we've seen those little bumper stickers and everything. And we've lost the meaning of it because it's become kind of a cliche. But the, the, there's such a powerful message in that. In that, and, and I, I think they should have said God, you know, uh, God, not just God loves you, but God loved you first. <laughs> okay. I think that would have made more sense because that way we would have realized, oh, it's not just God loves us, but that he loved us first in that he didn't wait for us to love him. He already loved us. And I think that that's, that is a very powerful message. And that's the apostle John goes in verse 11. I don't want to preach too much here because I need to get to verse 12. But he goes to say in verse 11, uh, beloved, if God so loved us. So see, he's making the point that first thing, God loved us to such a degree that he sent. And that's why he said so loved us that he sent his only begotten son to be the price or pay the price to die on the cross for us. And then he says, beloved, if God so loved us and, and, and that degree to that extent, he says we also ought to love one another. So he brings it back to us now and says, listen, as much as God loves you, we need to love others in the same way. And that now brings us to uh, verse 12, which is what I want to look at today. And he goes on to say, now, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. So we're going to look at that today um, as we bring this little section to an end. But it is also the launching point to the next section. So uh, let's see what we can do with this so that we, we, we do the right thing by both uh, passages of scripture that are linked by this verse. So first of all, uh, Colin G. Cruz in his uh, commentary explains that in the context of God is love, in giving his only begotten son to pay the price for our sin in order to free us from all guilt and condemnation, the Apostle John is not interested, listen now, in the obligation to love one another for its own sake, but because it is the sign that God lives in us. Did you get that? See, he's saying, listen, the reason we are to love is because love lives in us. He's saying that, the, you know, we should be people that are not told to love. We should be people that can't help but love, <laughs> okay? That we just love regardless. And we shouldn't get in the mood to love, okay? It should be something that is constantly in us, driving us. But remember again that this goes back to what Colin G. Cruz was saying, uh, uh, that John is not interested in the obligation to love one another for its own sake, but because it is the sign that God lives in us. 
Thus he says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. So in other words, he's saying, even though nobody has actually seen God, they can see God in us by what we do for them, in the genuine love that we show them. Amen? So I really, that's really what I want to bring out in this message, is genuine love. I want to bring out the fact that people are hungry for this kind of love. And can I say this as well? That if we love, then we are fulfilling the royal law. We looked at that last week. And if we're doing that, then we are setting ourselves in a position to be blessed by God without limits. Did you get that? Okay, people think that, you know, the only way that we can receive from God is, is you know, by exercising faith. And yes, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And you need everything that we receive, we receive by faith. However, that only works when you're walking in love. See, that's why, you know, when, when we look at Mark 11, 23 and 24, which talks about faith and mountain, mountains moving and having your prayers answered, 25 and 26 goes directly on. There's no gap in there, okay? It didn't say then Jesus went out somewhere and then preached this next few verses. It, it's it all in the same passage when he says, you know, that if you have anything against anyone, you need to forgive him. Do you understand? In other words, if you're not walking in love, your mountains won't move. And this is the kind of love we're talking about. And when you, because when people think about love, they think, oh, well, you know, I, you know, I always use this example, and I'm sorry, but you know, it's not that you just think, oh, well, I'll bake a cake and that's, that, that'll do it. And, you know, that's you baking a cake. We're talking about love. We are talking about genuine love. We're talking about, you know, people receiving something from the inside of you that blesses them. Do you understand? Anyway, I, <laughs> I want to give you some examples, but they may not suit everyone. So I'm just going to leave it there. So once again, it's genuine love. It's love from deep within. It's love that says that I'm willing to do whatever is necessary to look after you, to bless you, to whatever. Okay? Now, don't go out there and be martyrs, all right? But we're talking about little things. You know, it's a funny thing how you can help people in little ways. And society has, you know... Even before social distancing came in, which is what we're in right now, you know, people were distancing themselves from people anyway. You, you know, you're walking in the supermarket or in the, in the parking lot and somebody, you know, drops something. Nobody wants to go help him because, you know, people have this, this mentality now that, why, what do you want? <laughs> okay, if you're helping me, you want something kind of a thing. And I think people don't want to do stuff because they don't want to be categorized as, you know, some weirdo that's helping them. You know, as opposed to, a, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, that's what would be expected. People would expect you, if you saw somebody in trouble, to get out there and help them straight away. And not feel like it's weird. Amen. And, you know, family, we need to get back to some of those old values. Okay, I'm just saying that those things should have never passed away. Those things should never leave uh, society. It should be something that defines a society. Amen? And the more that people are willing to help and show that genuine love, the, the more society will thrive and the more safe people will feel with their neighbors and they know that they're not alone. Amen? Hallelujah. Anyway, let's get back to this. As to a further reason why the Apostle John insists that no one has ever seen God at any time, I. Howard Marshall explains that it may well have been the case that there were people around who claimed some kind of direct vision of God. Now, I want to bring this aspect out now next. Perhaps through mystical experiences. But John insists 
that God is not to be known in this kind of way, you know, through mystical experiences, uh, weird stuff, okay? And we'll talk about that in a minute. What, uh, what does happen is that if we fulfill the commandment to love one another, listen, here's the mystical, okay? <laughs> then we experience the presence of God in ourselves. At the same time, God's love is made complete in us. Now, there is a mouthful there. So let me just break it down for you a little bit here. The first thing, you know, when, when the Apostle John says that God has, uh, excuse me, no one has seen God at any time, he says it may well have been the case that there were people around who claimed some kind of direct vision of God. There are so many people that say, well, I saw God. You know, I had a vision. This happened and that happened. And when you compare it to what the Word of God says, it's contrary to it. It sometimes directly opposes God's Word. And, you know, Listen, the Bible tells us that even the devil can come as an angel of light. That's in Corinthians. So you need to be careful. See, that's the reason why we judge everything by the word. Amen. That, you know, regardless of what other people say, you need to know that it lines up with the word. If it lines up with God's word, then praise God. If it doesn't, if it seems contradictory, then back off from it. Amen. I'm just telling you, okay? I don't care how uh, saintly they look. And I don't care how amazing the vision was. The devil can do some amazing visions. He's a spiritual being. Amen. And I could go into more detail, but just understand that not every vision may be from God. Especially if you're just looking for a vision rather than seeking God. There's a difference there, by the way. Anyway, getting back to this. Uh, and so again, he said here, it may have well been the case that there were people around who claimed some kind of direct vision of God, perhaps through mystical experiences. And the reason he's saying direct vision, he's saying as opposed to God giving his word and saying, go to the word, you know, God says, oh, no, no, don't worry about my word. I'm going to tell you something different. I'm going to give you a new revelation that totally contradicts my word. But you know what? Some days you just get a new thing. Hey, that will never happen, you know, because the Bible says that God is the same, the same yesterday, today and forever. He never changes in that way. Do you know why? Because perfection doesn't need to change. You know, <laughs> you know we're always trying to change, aren't we? We're always sort of trying to become better. Do you know why? Because we're not perfect. Yeah, I'll put my hand up. All right. I know that shocked some of you, but yeah, I'm not perfect. All right. All right. <laughs> we're not perfect. So we're always looking for change. We're always looking to be better. But with God, he is perfect. That's why he'll never change. Because if he changes, what happens when you reach the top? The only place to go is down. And we don't want that. Amen. And he, that will never happen, by the way. Just letting you know. Okay. <clears throat> Let me continue on here. But again, John insists that God is to be known, uh, is not to be known in this kind of way. That is through mystical experiences. And again, you know, let, let me just share that because I wanted to just share on that just for a second. There are people that, you know, do weird things. You know, they say, well, if you, if you do, uh, I'm trying to be careful what I say here. Uh, if you use these objects and you do this certain thing, then, you know, in this mystical way, you can get God to speak to you. Or if you put these potions together and you do that, you know what I'm trying to say. Okay, all that stuff that is just weird and out there and it's not in God's word. People trying to find God through some physical means when the Bible clearly tells us that God is spirit. So let's get back to this. So what happens is that if we fulfill, now moving on now, all right? 
if we do the right thing, if we're not going looking for mystical experiences, if we're not doing weird things, all right, if we fulfill the commandment to love one another, then we experience the presence of God in ourselves. Now, let me stop there because this is really powerful. If we love one another, if we do, if we fulfill this commandment, okay, if we do as God asks, something mystical happens, <laughs> okay? I'm going to use that word on purpose because people are looking for this in all the wrong places. Something mystical does happen. And, but that is the opposite. You, you know, instead of going through a mystical means to find God, if you just do what God tells you, then something happens to you. Something, you know, uh, a mystical experience happens and that is the presence of God comes in. That's pretty mystical, <laughs> okay? In the Old Testament, you know, when the presence came in, there was smoke and all sorts of amazing things would happen. And in, in fact, in one of the Old Testament um, passages, it says that, you know, the priest couldn't stand up because the presence of God was so strong and so powerful that they, couldn't, they literally couldn't stand up anymore. That's, that's pretty incredible. That's mystical. <laughs> okay, you want mystical? You can have mystical. Just do it God's way. Amen. And if you do things in line with his word, then you know he's going to turn up. Just so you know. Okay, or I hope that blesses you. So, again, he says, if we fulfill the commandment to love one another, then we experience the presence of God in ourselves. What does the presence of... What's the thing that's attached to the presence of God? Think about it. In his presence is what? Fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? See, let me give you something here that will really bless you. In loving others, the presence of God comes upon you and fills you with joy. Amen. People mista mistake that joy for, see, I'm doing something good for somebody else, so I'm happy because I'm doing something good for them. That's not it. Something else is going on there. As you love others, there is a joy that settles in. It's a divine joy that comes, comes from, the, from the inside of you. Remember that you are the temples of the Holy Ghost, that God lives in you. And in His presence is fullness of joy. As you allow His presence to come forth in loving others in a genuine way, the joy comes with it. And the other thing that the Bible tells us now, watch, listen, I'm giving you something really special here, is that the joy of the Lord is our strength. You want strength in times that we're living in right now. You want that strength to come from inside of you, then start loving people. The presence will come, the joy will come, the strength will come. Amen? Can you see why this is so powerful now? Can you see why I want to take time to minister this to you? Why I'm not in a hurry to race through all these verses? Because I really want you to get the revelation that is contained in these verses. You know, that, I think that's what the... It always amazes me how people are looking for the end result, but they're not, not wanting to do the, the first thing. You know, that will actually get you that end result. And they try all sorts of things. And, you know, <clears throat> I can't remember how this goes exactly. But somebody said, you know what the, the definition of madness is? They said that the definition of madness is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. <laughs> okay? So listen, family. If you've been doing something, it hasn't been working, and you're not walking in that fullness, do something else. And what is it that you need to do? I'm telling you. Love, 
Learn to do this. Allow God's love. And notice I said allow because it's already in there. Allow God's love that lives in you to come forth, to come out and bless people. As you do that, the presence of God will come. The joy of the Lord will come. The strength will come. Amen? But you need to take the first step. All right. Now I think I can move on. <laughs> All right? Um, he finished by saying at the same time, God's love is made complete in us. In other words, we will learn how to walk in love in, in ways that we never thought of before. Do you know, this love walk is, um, it's an adventure. Can I, can I say that? Okay. Uh, the more that you do, the more that God reveals to you, the more that you step into this. And you need to be led by the Spirit. Because I'm not asking you to just run out there and just kind of love everybody. Be led by the Spirit, please, because God knows there are people out there that will hurt you, that will damage you. And Satan will try, to, out of guilt, he'll try to lead you to those people to do this. And then once you get hurt, you'll never want to do this again. If you've had that bad experience, I've just explained to you what has happened. <laughs> okay? That's why I said don't be guilted into doing anything. You'll be led by the Spirit. And you really need to be led by the Spirit in this as well. So that God leads you to the right people. There are people out there that are hungry for love that won't hurt you, that will appreciate you so much that you will not only bless them, but they'll bless you. Amen? And that's what God wants. Hallelujah. All right. So moving on. <clears throat> as wonderful as this is, there is an even greater truth, especially when we realize that the beginning of this verse is identical to the beginning of another verse. This time in the Gospel of John, specifically in John 1.18, where it says, no one has seen God at any time. And then he says, the only begotten Son who is uh, uh, in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Now, by placing these two verses next to each other, we find here that the apostle, what the Apostle John is saying is that even though no one has seen God at any time, they did get to see him in Jesus Christ while he was here. As brought out in John chapter 14 and the first part of verse 9 where it says, uh, remember Philip questioned him? Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Now listen, as incredible as that was, all right? And still is, by the way, okay? We, listen now, as the temple of the Holy Ghost and the body of Christ in this earth should be where people now see God. Not because we are perfect in any way, God knows, okay? Because none of us are. But because of the divine love that comes from the God that lives or abides in us. That's why the Apostle John now says in 1 John 4.12, No one has seen God at any time, but, can I put the word but in? If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. So he's, he's drawing something here in, by, by first of all uh, equating this and going back to uh, John chapter 1 verse 18. When he, when he actually, remember the Apostle John wrote both the Gospel of John and the Epistles of John. When he said, no man has seen God at any time. And then he says, but the only begotten son. So we, we've, we understand that even though we've never seen God, the Father here, we have seen God through his son. Which is why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And in the same way, he's now taking that, putting it in this verse and saying, listen, no one has seen God, but they can see you. And they can see God in you. 
Amen. I, I, I touched on this last time. That you might be the only thing of God someone sees. So what are they seeing? Something that blesses them? Or something that they don't want to have anything to do with? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> All right. I know that's heavy, but you know what I'm trying to say. All right. There have been people out there that, dear God, you know, you think if, they're, if that's what God is like, I don't want to have anything. And that's not what God is like. They're just them, okay? <laughs> I won't say anything mean. But, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're not representing God in the best way. Let me put it that way. All right, let's continue. And, and I need to bring this to a conclusion. I've been going long enough, I think. <clears throat> uh, in his commentary, William MacDonald explains it all so well when he writes, In John's Gospel, we see that the invisible God is made known to the world through the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you get that? Okay. But now, listen, God is manifested to the world, not through Christ. Did you hear that? He says, but now, God is manifested to the world, not through Christ, for he has gone back to heaven and is now at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> he says, instead, God is now manifested to the world through believers. Amen. That's you. Okay. He says, how stupendous that now we must be God's answer to man's need to see him. Oh, I need to pause there for a minute. Do you realize your significance? Do you realize that you are meeting a need that people have to see God in the way you are to them in representing God? Wow. See... Do you know, family, one of, one of the things that the enemy does, I, let me, I'll get back to this quote in a minute. One of the things that the enemy does right now is to uh, try to devalue you. He says, you're not that important. You know, the preacher might be important, but you, who are you? You're just at home, you're cooking, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're mowing lawns, whatever, you know, you just, you're, you're not that important. That is a lie from hell. Because God sees you as his child. God has given you his spirit. God has given you his armor. God has made you the temple that he lives in. You are so special. It, and the Bible tells us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It says that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And that's not to just preachers, that's anybody. The Apostle Paul says, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. That's you. So I don't care whether you're mowing a lawn or washing dishes. That's you. And you need to understand that you are important. And if you begin to realize that, and I, I, I touched on this last week as well. If we begin to realize how important we are to God, then we might begin to understand how important we are to people as well. And we, we, you know, not from a place where we're looking down on them, and I said this to you before, but from a place where we are looking to serve them. And we are looking to bless them. And we are looking to be the hand and the voice of God in this earth. And the right hand of God, again, the right voice of God, in that we are showing them love, genuine love, so that they can experience God, so that His presence comes, hallelujah, into that place and into their lives. And he goes on to say, let me get back to this quote, when we love one another, His love is perfected in us, this means that God's love to us has achieved 
its goal. I really like that. God's love in us, or uh, yeah, God's love to us, excuse me. It means that God's love to us has achieved its goal. We are never intended to be terminals of God's blessings, but channels only. You know, terminal means it comes and lands on you and stays with you. Okay, channel means that it flows through you. Amen. That we are meant to be people that allow the love of God to flow through us. You know, one, I said this to you before. We are not trying to love. When we fellowship with love, that love becomes so big on the inside of us, we can't help but allow it to flow back out and love others with that same love. And that's what we're talking about here. God's love is given to us, not that we might hoard it ourselves. Amen. But it, it might be poured out through us to others. Hallelujah. In other words, the only demonstration of God's love in this age is the church. And why? Love is a commandment, not a choice. And so let me leave you with verse 12 again as we conclude for today. No one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God lives in us. His presence is around us, okay? And His love has become perfected in us. In other words, we can tell by the way we love where we are in His kingdom. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we just thank you for your word today. And we thank you, Father, that we understand that this is not to be done in the flesh. We understand that all of this is something that already exists on the inside of us. It is something that as we are led by the Spirit that we will do. Hallelujah. And when whatever we do, whatever small uh, act, or, you know, act of kindness, of love, Father, that it comes from a place of genuineness, a genuine heart. So that people know that there are no strings attached to this, that what, what they're receiving is genuine and it shows God loves them. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for giving us this tremendous privilege of being your representatives in this earth to love and to bring, you, bring your presence, your word, and even at times your provision to others. We just give you the praise and the thanks for this immense privilege. In Jesus' name, amen.